You're listening to Give Your Life Away, a devotional podcast from Canyon Bible Church of Prescott designed to equip you with the truth of God's Word and encourage you in the pursuit of ascribing glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the Give Your Life Away podcast. Today I want to talk to you about being a church member who embraces rebuke and even fear. Now this might sound like a scary podcast at the beginning, But all I want to do is bring to you some scripture and encourage you to have your heart really embrace what those scriptures teach. Remember, our God is a good God. Our God is an eternally loving Father. He knows what's best for us, and He teaches what's best for us. So I want to talk to you again about being a church member who embraces rebuke and even fear. Now, there's there are a number of places in the scripture where we are motivated by things that seem enjoyable to us. We are motivated when people encourage us. We are motivated when we think about the rewards of heaven. We're motivated by a number of things, but we're also motivated by a number of things that we would call negative motivations. And these motivations are things that uh, the Lord intends for us to to benefit from. So, for example. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, there's a negative motivation, for correction, there's a negative motivation, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, people don't typically like being reproved about something. They typically don't like being corrected. There is something about our pride that that really kicks against correction. If you've ever had a teenager, you know this to be true. If you've ever been a teenager, you know this to be true. If you plan on being a teenager, this will be true of you. And not just teenagers, but this is true for two-year-olds. This is true for 92-year-olds. We don't like to be corrected. But the Bible uses means, certain means, to correct us, to quote-unquote get us back into line. And that is not a bad thing. So the scriptures do that reproof. The scriptures do that correcting. After that passage in 2 Timothy 3, in the very next chapter, just just a few sentences later, Timothy's told to preach the word. So get this word out. You're going to have to bring this before your hearers, and they're not going to like all of the things that they hear. Now, someone might say, well, that's all well and good. I can I can get behind the word doing this reproving work or this correcting work. I just don't like it when other people try to do it. But the Bible doesn't allow you that out. You see, the Bible and God's plan is that people would speak the word to one another. As a matter of fact, Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So again, this word does reproof and does correction, does training. And this says in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So it's not the Lord's intent that the word simply read would do its convicting work. That does happen. But also the word that comes from the mouth of another brother or sister or a preacher or pastor that that would do the correcting work as well. So as people bring us the word and say that this is out of line in your life or this is wrong in your life or you've got to be doing this thing that you're not doing, that is perfectly intended by the Lord. A correction coming from the word of God through the mouth of another brother or sister. I just read recently of uh, of a celebrity who said something to the fact of... uh, 
that people should get rid of negative people in their life. Anybody who criticizes you or corrects you, you should get rid of them in your life. Now, I hope that if you're a Christian, you would never take that advice because the Bible intends that in the New Testament church and even the Old Testament saints, in the New Testament church, people would bring correction to one another. People would help one another grow. People would hold each other accountable. And this is something that's given by the Holy Spirit to help mature us. So embrace rebuke. Embrace rebuke in the body. Embrace receiving rebukes. Pain or challenges, difficulties, they're not all bad. Discipline is not bad. The Bible teaches that discipline matures us. Hebrews 12 says that it's important to see that discipline is good. After all, it comes from a loving father. So when God disciplines or rebukes and even does so through his people, he's doing it because he loves and he's growing us into maturity. Remember, nobody's perfect. I'm not, you're not. And the Bible uses rebukes and warnings to help mature people. So in the church, look to invite and to benefit from warnings or rebuke or reproof from other people. Look for this. Seek it out. And this might be something that you're already doing, and it might be completely foreign to you. A lot of people uh, like to listen to sound theology and listen to good sermons and, and study their Bible, things like that. But when it comes to receiving a rebuke from someone, they've got no category for it. And that's rather unfortunate because it's a huge area of the Christian life. Proverbs 27.6, in fact, says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are kisses of an enemy. So a friend will actually tell you the truth. And it won't always be easy. That's why the Proverbs also say that iron sharpens iron. Have you ever heard iron sharpening iron? It's not a pleasant sound. It's difficult. So look and embrace what the Lord gives us to help grow us. Embrace it as a gift from him. I know it's not easy, but we've got to get our hearts to line up with what the scriptures teach. Now, let me say one final word about rebuke. A lot of people say, I welcome rebuke. I welcome correction. I I welcome accountability. If I had a nickel for everyone who said that, and then in the time they received the rebuke, did not respond very well to it, I'd be a rich man. A lot of people, myself included, think that we're better at receiving correction than we actually are. So not only invite correction, but when correction comes, don't treat the other person, the corrector. Don't treat them bad. Don't treat them harshly. Welcome the correction. Thank them for the correction. Thank them for even having the courage to come to you because they love you and listen to the correction. So don't just say that you welcome it. Got a lot of people in a lot of good churches who say that. But actually say it and mean it and welcome it and treat the other person well for bringing it to you. Next week, Lord willing, my plan is to talk about how to be someone who brings a correction, how to be someone who brings a rebuke. How do you do that wisely and well? How do you do that? But for now, receive those rebukes. And I've talked about rebuke. I want to finish by talking about one other negative motivation the Lord uses, fear. Rebuke and fear. Both are used to help mature us into the image of Christ. Now remember, as I said before, God is the best motivator. Whatever motivations he uses, whether they are positive or seemingly negative, they are the best. He knows how to motivate us toward obedience. Sometimes his motivations are positive and easy, and sometimes they're difficult. So God does motivate out of fear. 
A lot of people think that that is not something that should be done in the Christian church and the Christian life, but God uses fear to motivate people. I want to remind you of a couple prominent verses in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 5 lays out the process for disciplining an elder. 1 Timothy 5 says this. This is verses 19 through 21. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Now, right there, just in the middle of those three verses, in verse 20, the middle verse, you get both rebuke and fear. So it says, you, you don't take these accusations against an elder lightly. It, not just anybody can come up and throw things around. There have got to be some witnesses here. But also, you, you, don't, you don't dismiss them as well. If there is something brought and there are two or three witnesses, you, you rebuke the elder. You rebuke the pastor. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all. So this sinning pastor continues on in sin, even after having people uh, bring this to his attention. So it gets so bad, you've got to do this publicly. You do this in the presence of all. You rebuke them in the presence of all. Now, how's that for negative motivation? And then this, what's the purpose of that for the church? So that the rest, the rest of the people, so that the rest may stand in fear. So when someone literally sits in a church service and they hear a difficult announcement saying, we've gone to this elder, this pastor repeatedly, and we've gone to them to seek, it's not to point out their sin, the sin of blank, and, and they have refused to repent of it. And we need to make this known to you. Go and seek to, bring, to, to call them to repentance. Go and seek to tell them that you love them and you want them to stop sinning and to come back and to trust in Christ and his forgiveness and his power. So when you do that, what's happening in the church? What's happening is that this elder is being rebuked, but it's also that everybody in that room, in the congregation, is fearful. Well, I'd better not do something like that. It could end up like this. And that is not a bad thing. That is inspired instruction from the Holy Spirit himself. There are people today who call themselves Christians that will not go to a church that does that because it's too harsh or because it's mean-spirited. I would argue just the opposite. A church that would do that from a heart of love is the place you want to be. A church that will wink at your sin and turn a blind eye to it, that is harsh. That is harsh. So embrace what the scriptures teach. One other verse, 1 Corinthians 5, in verse 4, it says this. It's talking about a person who is in uh, a, 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 an incestuous relationship in 1 Corinthians 5. And it refers to this man. It says, when you are assembled, talking about the church gathering corporately, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit, Paul's spirit, is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Even those words right there, you are to deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Again, How's that for a negative motivator? But that's what's required. This man is so sinful and outrageous and will not stop sinning that you are to dismiss him, consider him an unbeliever. What happens with unbelievers? They sin and they feel the effects of it. 
Sometimes they sin and feel the effects of it immediately. Sometimes it takes years and decades and even into eternity. But they sin and it destroys them. And so it's saying you're, you were to deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Let Satan have his way with this man because he's doing what he shouldn't be doing. He's doing what Satan would have him do. So let him have Satan as his master, as it were. That's what he's acting like. And what's the purpose of that? The purpose is not condemnation. The purpose ultimately is so his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So that on the day of judgment, on the day when the Lord comes to bring his wrath to earth, this man would be saved because earlier in his life, a church said, you're no longer to be considered our brother. You're no longer to be considered a member of God's family. You are doing what Satan would have you do. And then this man does that and it destroys him physically and he comes to his senses, kind of like the prodigal in Luke 15. He comes to his senses and says, I'm going to the Lord. I need forgiveness. I need to repent. And he goes to the Lord, and then guess what? In the day of the Lord, he is saved. He's not condemned. He's saved. This is a negative motivation intended for a positive result. That's what all of the Lord's negative motivations are for, so that we would be mature, so that we would be saved in the day of Christ, so that we would keep obeying and keep enjoying communion with Christ. Even God's negative motivations are for positive purposes. So embrace them. Rebuke and fear are actually biblical motivators for obedience. Friends, we have a disease, and that disease has a cure. Sin is our disease. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are the cure. That's the cure. The gospel is the cure. We will never experience the condemnation of death that comes from having this disease. We'll never experience the condemnation of death that comes from having sin. However, Right now, we're still living with this disease in us. Sin still is in our flesh. It can harm us. It can steal our joy. It can affect our relationships. The Spirit of God has given us a number of medicines that will keep this disease at bay. Some of these medicines are good-tasting medicines. They taste like candy. Encouragement, reminders about who we are in Christ, Reminders about the promises of God that we will ultimately realize. These are all good tasting medicines. But God also gives medicines that don't go down so easily. Rebuke is one of those medicines. Fear is one of those medicines. So brother or sister, don't refuse any of the medicines of the Lord. After all, remember that the one giving you these medicines, the one giving them to you, is the Father who has loved you from eternity past and he will love you in eternity future. He knows what's best, and he cares. Embrace his ways. If you've been encouraged by the Give Your Life Away podcast, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you'll find us online at canyonprescott.org. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Give Your Life Away. We are alive.